World's Finest Podcast, Episode 61. As always, I'm Michael Sims, and with me is James Doe. How are you, sir? I know what words you're going to say, and it's probably uh, exhausted or fucking exhausted. Wow, you read my mind, dude. <laughs> or we spoke before I hit the record button. <laughs> eh, either or, the, the uh, tiredness remains the same. Yes, exactly. Uh, of course, as I said to you off the air, I can feel some sort of cold coming on. I don't know if it's uh, being picked up in my voice, but I've definitely got a sore throat, and I think I might be on the early stages of a fever. So to all our listeners, if this is a quicker show than normal, it's just because, yes, James is tired. He's got school in the morning, too. And uh, I've got a sore throat, so I may not have a lot to say. So if we seem a little down in this episode, or as I said, if it's a little quick, please pardon us. But, you know, we're, gonna, we're still going to give it our all. So uh, let's just jump right into the emails. I know we have a couple. First one is from Scott, who writes, Hey, fellas, forgive my ignorance on this matter, but I'm dreadfully far behind your show. And if memory serves, I recalled that at least one of you is Atlanta-based, so I was wondering if either of you will be attending Dragon Con in a couple weeks. If so, I'd love to meet up and say hi. Best, Scott. Yes, I am the Atlanta-based co-host, um, but no, I'm not going to Dragon Con. I have never been to one, and... Uh, I don't really know if I ever will go to one because it's just, it doesn't seem like my thing. But I will probably be going to Anime Weekend Atlanta next month. Well, I guess when this airs, it'll be September. So, yeah, sometime this month. Uh, I normally go every year, but really this year, I think I'm just going to be going for the rock band competition. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, I've gotten quite good at that game. So, I, I really want to test my. You know, no pun intended. Metal against uh, the uh, some other skilled rock banders, cool. but um, yeah, I I really don't know. I might one of these years. I probably will just go Dragon Con. It's just it is really really expensive. Alrighty, next one is from Michael, who writes, "Hey, Mike and James, new listener to the show. I want to drop a line and tell you that I'm really enjoying the podcast. I was referred to you by Thomas DJ and have been impressed by the level of care you bring into discussing the animated world of DC through the eyes of uh, Bruce Tim and company. I'm starting at the beginning of just started episode five, and so far I have very little in the way of quibbles. The main reason I wrote is that James mentioned seeing Raven, that being the wrestler, at his workplace. And before I continue the email, this... This is how long we've been doing this podcast. When he, the workplace he's referring to here is the computer store I worked at three years ago. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> anyway, uh, now I am not a wrestling fan by any stretch of the imagination, but one day while hanging out at the comic shop, I frequent Titan Games and Comics in College Park, Georgia. Hey, I go to Titan Games and Comics in Smyrna. Awesome. Uh, Raven came by around closing time, and the manager and I spent about 30 minutes chatting with him about comics, and as such, uh, he looked through the back stock, and he was a really nice guy, and in the course of the conversation told me that one of the main reasons he got into wrestling was his love of comics. The guy even gave me exercise tips. Kind of a pointless story, but hearing James mention Raven uh, reminded me of that story, and I thought I would share my little 30-minute encounter with y'all. Again, great show, and I'm looking forward to plowing through the rest of them 
and I'm sure you hear this quite a bit, but I did take out the box sets to watch along with you. <laughs> Too bad I never got, got around to buying volumes three and four of the Batman sets. Take care and keep up the good work. Next one is from Chris. He writes, Aloha, guys. Well, I ended up with a lot of comments to make about your last episode. I just put them on uh, most of them on the forums, plug, plug, but thought this one might affect enough of the episodes to be worth an email. It's about static shorting out in water. First, we have to assume that it's only when he's using his powers. Otherwise, every time he touched uh, any grounded conductor, and that includes every human body, he would short out. That right there explains drinking and bathing and giving Richie high fives without frying him. Uh, water shorts out things because as a conductor, it makes a path for electricity to follow, but there has to be a path. If Virgil is flying through the rain or a sprinkler, there's just not enough water to make a solid path from him to the ground. And without that, there's no place for his energy to go. If he's juiced up, though, and falls in a lake... The water conducts his energy down to the earth, grounding him out like a lightning rod. It's been a couple years since my last static viewathon, but I think that covers most of the incidents in the series. Oh, and Baby Doll's very capable assistant was named Miriam. I'm surprised no one put it in the forums almost six days out. <laughs> uh, thank you, Chris. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And that'll do it for the emails. Okay, before we head off into uh, discussing these five episodes, there's just something I want to bring up. Um, about a month back, I don't know, it might have actually been six weeks back, I posted a little thing on worldsfinestpodcast.com and in the WFP uh, RSS feed uh, over in iTunes, basically saying, James and I, we know that there's been some issues in terms of uh, audio quality when it comes to some recent episodes of World's Finest Podcast. But to, to rectify these problems, we'd have to get uh, some some better recording software, and uh, we'd also have to get, uh, uh, frankly, uh, better computers. Because, like, like on my end, when it comes to editing, my computer apparently just can't handle uh, all the beating the, I, I put it through because I'm constantly editing on it and it just seems like it can't take it anymore and it's, and it's adding these pops throughout uh, WFP for some reason. The reason I'm bringing this up is because, well, James and I, frankly, we can't afford these things. Um, so we're kind of putting a call out to you guys. If you'd like to help us, you know, that would be greatly appreciated. You know, we know that times are tough for everybody. We're, we're not pretending that they're not. But if, if each of you could just donate just a couple of bucks, even just like five bucks, that would be more than enough money to, again, buy the microphones, buy the recording and editing software, uh, get us both new computers to do this. And then uh, the money, if there's any money that's left over, that would be pumped back into uh, the website, like hosting the website and, and hosting the forums and thing like that, things like that. All the money would go directly into bettering World's Finest Podcast and just the whole Earth 2. Network. So if, if you're able to help us, uh, what what you can do is you can go to one of two links. You can either go to worldsfinestpodcast.com slash donations. Again, that's worldsfinestpodcast.com slash donations or earth2.net slash donations, earth-2.net slash donations. On either page, you'll see a little button that says donate. It will take you to a PayPal page. And uh, on there, you can enter any amount you want, be it a buck, be it more, whatever. And that will help James and I, again, get these things we need to make World's Finest Podcast sound so much better for you guys. So uh, I just want to give everybody an advanced thank you. And I also want to thank everybody who has already donated, because we have received some. What do you think you're doing with that money? Returning it to the police. Thanks, Rubber Van Man. Okay, what's wrong with this picture? Nothing. I did my time, now I'm one of the good guys. 
like you. There's a stretch. It's true. Ever since he got out of jail last month, he's been helping us. And we appreciate it, too. Uh, not that we don't appreciate your help, Static. Uh, yeah. Nice try, guys. First up today is Bad Stretch. In this one, Static and Richie are working on their various hero projects and whatnot when uh, Static overhears on the police band about a flood at a racetrack. And it turns out it's a new bang baby named Aqua Maria, who is a living waterfall, really. And she's working for the Metabreed as a recruit of sorts. And she takes out Static pretty easily, as you would expect, her being water and all. But suddenly Rubber Band Man appears and takes her out just as easily. And it seems, you know, he's turned over New Leaf and become a good guy. And naturally, Static is very skeptical about this. So Rubber Band Man ends up turning into this huge celebrity with fawning fans everywhere. And meanwhile, Shiv and Talon return to Ebon defeated, and they explain that it uh, it wasn't Static, but Rubber Band Man who stopped Dr. Maria, and Ebon absolutely loses his shit. He just fucking starts destroying everything, and he storms off. And naturally, in all of this, all that's going on, Sharon is concerned about Rubber Band Man and wants to get back with him. Uh, unfortunately, she overhears a bunch of screaming girls on the phone behind him when she calls him, and so she just slams the phone down on him. So, Rubber Band Man, I'm just going to call him Adam Evans, because that's his name. So, Evans, you know, manages to elude the dozens of screaming girls, and he goes home where Ebon is waiting for him. And Ebon says he wants him to join back up with his gang, like the old days. So, Evans outright refuses, and uh, Ebon just tells him to stay out of his way since he owes him, or something like that. Uh, later on, uh, the Metabreed are robbing an electronics store, but Static and uh, Evans show up, and Evans ends up getting incapacitated by Shiv momentarily, so Static ends up taking out the entire group with uh, the help of Talon's own powers. It's actually quite cool. And in another room, Rubber Bandman and uh, Ebon start arguing about loyalties and whatnot, and Static shows up, and he attacks Ebon with a you know, big light uh, display or whatever, and Rubber Bandman actually ends up shielding him from the intense light, and he's able to get away. So Static starts yelling at him, at uh, Evans, and Evans runs off. And Evans' helping of Ebon is caught on the security cameras, and once again he's cast in negative light in the media. So later at the prison where the, the Metabreed is all holed up, Rubber Bandman seemingly breaks in the place and, and breaks them out. And so the police come looking for him at his apartment, but he you know he's able to get away, and he heads towards Virgil's house to see Sharon. Meanwhile, Richie gives Virgil a newspaper about the prison breakout, so he heads home. And when he gets there, Rubber Bandman is waiting for him. And he claims he didn't break out the villains. It was and reveal and it's at this point he reveals that Ebon is his brother. And he uh, he leaves. And he, uh, when he goes into an alley, uh, Ebon kind of just ushers him via a portal back to the Metabreed hideout. Um, but Static is able to stick his little tracking radio device uh, that. Richie worked up in the beginning of the episode to to his leg, and it's kind of like, you know, the Batman, the Bat Tracers. So after this, uh, Ebon, I think, Ebon welcomes Rubber Bandman as like he's the newest member of the breed, and he has no say in it, in the matter and whatnot. So at the, you know, Rubber Bandman's wondering why he was fingered as the one who broke the breed out of prison, and Static blasts his way into the place and explains that Ebon framed him since their powers are so similar. Ebon could easily disguise himself with, you know, just putting on, like, the purple leotard. So, Ebon, at this point, just warps Static to the center of the Earth, but Rubber Band Man ends up saving him, and the two, they team up and take down the breed, and 
in the end, Rubber Band Man defeats Ebon, and he and Static are they finally are on the same page, you know, loyalties wise, hero wise. And after this, Adam shows up at the Hawkins house, but Sharon doesn't really seem too pleased that he's there. But Adam takes it in stride. What are you thinking, Mike? Okay, this isn't a bad episode. And I will say that I like the arc they've created for Rubber Band Man in general. The problem is, I don't like Rubber Band Man episodes. I just don't care about him. I mean, I, I, I can't remember the previous the, the titles of the previous episodes, so I can't go look at the list and see how high I've scored them. But as I'm thinking about them here, it's like, generally, I, I just am not crazy about the character. Whenever I see him pop up in an episode, I'm like, oh, God, another story with him. You know, I just, I just don't really care all that much. So that's kind of casting a shadow on my thoughts about this one. But I do have to acknowledge it's, again, not, not a bad episode. But for me, there's a bias. What about you? Well, I, yeah, I like this one. I, I think I understand why you wouldn't like him. Um, but, you know, since he's really one of the characters they've gone out of their way to develop and get, you know, keep a recurring storyline going for him. You know, I think, I think they kept it up pretty nicely here. I, 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 I certainly think this one was a believable story considering the characters involved. Um, I do like that they've added a new wrinkle to the thing with Ebon being, uh, Evan's brother. Um, and I hope they come back to this. I really do. Okay. When it comes to Sharon, I don't know what her deal is half the time. Why is she getting mad at Adam? Because he's suddenly become a hero to people, and there's all these girls that want his autograph. I mean, she's mad at him over this? I mean, sure, I could understand her being a little jealous, but she should be happy for her beau that he's that the people that are surrounding him don't have guns pointed at him and want to take him off to jail. That it's not her brother in a costume shooting him with electricity. You know, that it is people who are admiring him for his good deeds. And... It's because, you know, it's painfully clear that he is loyal to her. So she shouldn't have to worry or even be jealous of all these women, girls, wanting uh, his, his attention. It's, it's just kind of annoying. They just, it's like they needed to put in this extra little element uh, of her just being pissed off about something, and that's the best they could come up with. And it felt kind of weak to me, if you want the truth. Yeah, it definitely was. I'll, I'll agree with you wholeheartedly there. Because, I mean, at the end of the episode, too, she he shows up with flowers for her, and she comes out of the kitchen, looks at him, just kind of snarls at him, and then just slams the door back into the, and goes back into the kitchen. Yeah. Like, what did he do? Yeah, like, I could see her getting mad at him when it was believed that he did free the Metabreed from jail. Because that makes sense, you know? She's thinking, oh my god, he, he tricked us all. But... She's not. It's like she's still mad about the girls wanting his autograph. Yeah. <laughs> and that just doesn't make sense to me, uh, at the end, at least. Um, and speaking of that, that seemed like a weird beat to end on. It's almost like they realize that they forgot to uh, wrap up that little part of the story. Because it all, like, the action and adventure ends. They fade to black. I'm like, oh, the episode's ending. And then I see him knocking on the door. I'm like, what the hell's going on? Then there's, like, another 30 seconds of him trying to apologize, flowers in hand. I'm like, that was really weird. Because it just ends with Virgil shutting the door. Um, but I, I do have a question about this episode. It's said that Adam's just gotten out of jail, pretty much. Uh, first off, 
what the fuck is with these these the judicial system that that someone like him was only in jail for what six months at most but what that's leading me to is okay he was in jail for however long he was in jail a day and a half and a cup of coffee i suppose and when he comes out he's got that swank condo that he's living in how the hell did he afford that <laughs> Now, you know, some people might try to say, remember, he was a recording artist, so he might have some royalties coming his way, but, uh, yeah, even if he did, I don't see them kicking in that quick to allow him to buy or rent a place like that. <laughs> it was massive. I'm not saying he should have yeah. been living in some, you know, halfway house or, you know, like a roach-infested apartment or anything like that. I'm just saying he was living the lifestyle. He was living good. And it really made me raise my eyebrow and go, what the hell was up with that? Okay, getting away from the negatives for just a moment, um, I loved that fight in the, the electronic store where Virgil, he's, he puts the headphones on, on mm -hmm. and he pretends that he can't hear Talon. And so Talon's like, you'll hear this or whatever the fuck she says. And just, she just uses her sonic scream and Static grabs every microphone in the store and just holds it out in front of it and just everything just blasts sound waves everywhere she goes deaf practically yeah and it was really awesome very yeah. very creative yeah when i saw that the first thing i thought of hey wow that's a really great innovative way to use statics power which i've commended in the past uh that they're always finding new ways for him to use his power but then i started thinking wait you're telling me all those microphones that are on display are hooked up to every speaker in that shopping mall to cause it to be that loud. But then I'm like, wait, it's static. He's just doing something funky with his powers and making it transmit over the speakers. Yeah, I think it was just one store. It wasn't like the whole mall. So. You're right, okay. But still, you know, technically speaking, those mics wouldn't be hooked up into the store's PA system. But again, it's static. He's, he's doing something funky with his powers. So it brings me back to my initial thought of, hey, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we could come full circle on yeah. this, Mike. Yeah, um, but while we're speaking about Talon, I have a question about her powers. Okay, she is able to use her sonic shriek to destroy all those cash registers so they could collect the money, correct? Correct. So her shriek is strong enough to destroy metal cash registers, but not the paper money inside? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not, Mike. <laughs> well, I guess because it's paper and it, it's, like, really thin and it can, it can like, be blown away easily. I don't fucking hey, know. <laughs> th there you go. I'll accept that. Somehow it's, it's being pushed away by the sonic scream instead of blown apart okay sure sure i don't think that would work in the real world but we'll go with it <laughs> um but while we're talking about that fight scene um i liked uh what's his name shiv just sitting down and playing the video games yeah. and not even helping in the crime that was awesome but the, the real reason i bring that up is um uh, 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 uh i'm gonna hide under my desk as i say this do you remember what video game system he was playing was he playing an NES or an Atari? No, it was called the Game Station 2. Doesn't Beast Boy play the Game Station 4 in Teen Titans? I really don't know. This is why I I'm hiding, because I'm, 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 I'm ducking those continuity emails coming in again. Oh, we're going to, hey, the end of our episode today, in our fifth episode yep, today, yep. we're going to be mentioning it. Mm -hmm. We are, we are. But uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure Beast Boy is constantly trying to get his hands on a Game Station, or is he trying to get a... Yeah, he's tr he, it's Game Station like three or four or something like that that he's always trying to buy or play at the Titans Tower. 
Um, and and here's here's the last thing that that I want to bring up, but don't let that stop you from going on. Did you notice the weird like animation flub when Ebon and Rubber Band Man were talking in the alley? No, I don't think so. Ebon comes off the wall. He walks. Uh, he walks around his brother. And, uh, or he does something, and uh, Rubber Band Man starts to walk away. And you know those five little fin things that Rubber Band Man has on the top of his uh, suit? Right. As he's walking, they pivot on his head. What? Go back and rewatch that. They literally start turning on his head, even though he's still facing in one direction. What the hell? It's fucked up. But because of that, that made me notice that Ebon has those same fins on his head. Yeah, he does. I mean... He only has four, where Rubber Band Man has five, but it's like, oh, I wonder if they did plan them being brothers all along, and that was a little hint. I mean it, V. Madeline Spaulding was rummaging around inside my skull, trying to change me into a... a brain puppet. Brain puppet? Drone, mind slave, whatever. When you showed up, your energy field must have caused some kind of feedback and stopped her. Richie, you have definitely been watching too much science fiction. Bro, I heard her thoughts. She plans to turn every student here into a zombie. Look, if Madeline had mind control powers, do you honestly think she would waste time taking over a high school? Next up is Attack of the Living Brain Puppets. Seriously? Oh, fucking hell. Okay, I'm going to synopsize this one quickly. Not because James is tired. Not because I'm getting ill. But because this is fucking stupid and I don't feel like spending a lot of time on it. Okay, here we go. There's an overachieving young girl in high school. She's running for class president against Richie and some other's guy uh, whose name I can't remember. It turns out she is a bang baby. Uh, her power is that she can not only read minds, but also control people, turning them into zombie-like creatures. And she uses this power to persuade people to try to make her freshman class president no folks you did not make that up fuck I, I don't even know what to say about this one because it's like it's like a fucking scooby-doo episode I mean, oh, well there's the scooby-doo part where they're all running through exactly the yes yeah exactly that that was like one of my three notes here <laughs> static being chased by the zombies through gym was straight out of scooby-doo that's uh -huh. my note verbatim <laughs> oh my god i mean really this this girl's ultimate goal is to be freshman class president over a bunch of mindless drones? Okay, shoot for the stars there, kiddo. <laughs> you go, girl. Get me that superhero and his little cape, too. <laughs> Funny thing, though, Static doesn't wear a cape. <laughs> he wears a zip-up hoodie. Chris, I don't even know where to start with this one. This is just a nonsensical plot. I mean, this seriously seems like something like one of the producer's kids came up with. Yeah, like he turned to his kid and was like, what do you want to see in Static? Class president goes crazy. Okay, and they wrote this. <laughs> Either that or the producer saw their kid trying to become class president and was like, hey, that makes for a great story. Urgh, no. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, first off, first off, we get the reappearance of Ragtag, the yeah. bum that that <laughs> got into Richie's head in the, in the Not Drugs episode. 
I was like, oh, good, we got the origin of Ragtag, because we really needed that. What, what, what sealed this one as being a giant turd for me was Richie figures out what's going on with uh, this girl. What was her name? I don't even remember. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. But, okay, we'll, we'll call her Patty. I know that's not right, but we'll call her Patty. So, he fi- okay, we won't do that. But he <laughs> figures out that this girl <laughs> is, 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 con- is controlling people. And he tells Static, and Static doubts him. After all the shit Static has been through <laughs> over these two seasons, he's going to doubt Richie. Okay, I understand him doubting Richie when the power goes out in the middle of a blizzard. Yes. <laughs> it's okay to doubt him then. But is it really okay to doubt him after the guy who was on stage makes this sudden turn and starts mumbling that he's going to back out of the race. And then the girl makes Richie act all weird in front of Virgil. And then she runs off cackling something at Virgil about Virgil. And then he's not going to believe his buddy that this, that this chick could maybe be a bang baby. Oh my God. Oh, I hate when, I hate when characters who know better pull shit like that. Are willingly, yeah, willing blindness. Exactly, exactly. Um, and should, the, uh, the bitch's name was Madeline. Madeline, that's it, okay. Should, should I keep going here with my notes? Oh, please do. Okay. I have nothing else to say, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to sit back and listen to your throat just get sore and sore as you rant. Yeah, I know. I, I, th- I think it is starting to, I think you can start to tell that uh, my voice is going. But anyways, I'm going to keep going on this one. Uh, when I said I didn't want to spend a lot of time on it, I just meant the plot itself. Um, I should say, though, speaking of the plot, one of the things I left out is that when she gets into Richie's head, she figures out that Virgil is static. Now, I have to ask this. Before she sees that, she sees a couple of images of, like, Richie and Static just sort of like being buddy-buddy. And knowing what we now know about Richie, that he maybe was intended to be homosexual and uh, I believe have a crush on Virgil, think about those shots they showed of him. They seemed a little slightly romanticized. And I wonder if those are supposed to be little hints. I'm trying to remember. The only woman I can remember is where they were just kind of walking down the hall at school. So Yeah, it was just sort of... They're, they're, I understand what you're saying, though. I yeah. Do. They were like sitcom buddy-buddy, but like I said, it seemed a little romanticized to me. So, again, I'm, you know, if, if that's what they were going for, great. I, I like knowing that little extra thing about Richie because it actually makes some things make sense, such as the episode where he got real jealous when Virgil was trying to hang out with, uh, what's her name, Daisy? Daisy. Like, oh, is that why he was getting jealous? Hmm, you know. But anyways, that's not the point I actually wanted to bring up. What I wanted to bring up is after she gets into Richie's head and she makes him one of these brain puppets, um, the reason Richie's able to come out of it, or at least he suspects, is that because static got so close to him that the static field that's always surrounding him, whether we see it or not, shorted out her power her control over Richie. If that's the case, how come when he literally bumps into his sister and father who are later under her control and is constantly surrounded by these not zombies, why isn't it working then? They set up this rule and then they completely throw it out the window. How many times have they done that now? About a dozen? (laughs) At least? True, true. Uh, Let's see. Oh, and then of course, of course... When someone figures out the superhero's secret identity, what happens to them, James? 
why they lose their mind, Mike. Of course. Oh, come on. I mean, they hint that she might be back and she might get her memory back, but come on. That is so lame. Uh, but I actually think she does come back. Does she really? I'm I'm pretty sure she does actually, unfortunately. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, but anyways, uh, the one thing I will give this episode is what I perceive to be, and I will continue to believe to be, a slight shot at G.W. Bush. In the in the beginning, uh, they're cracking wise about um, the, the other guy who ends up winning the class presidency not being so bright. And one of them says, oh, yeah. well, you don't necessarily have to be smart to be president. This episode aired in 2002. Bush had been in office at least a year at this point. And I have to wonder if that was a, a you know, a little jab at the guy. <laughs> which, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. <laughs> which, of course, I wouldn't mind. Um, and I have to ask, at the end of the episode, was there a double meaning to when uh, Virgil said that's a nice concession speech you made? Because Richie's whole platform was about vending machines, therefore concessions. Oh my god. <laughs> that's that's a good catch actually. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That that's kind of funny, really. <laughs> Cuz it's it's not just me reading into it. I mean, Richie says that the guy who wins is going to take up his cause of the vending machine. So I think there's supposed to be a double meaning there. Ah. Uh, uh. <laughs> um I think that's it as far as notes for this one. I mean, <laughs> what what the fuck do you say about an episode where Someone uses their mental power to turn someone into zombies so she can win the class presidency. I mean, there's nothing to say. It's so stupid. All you need to know about this episode is the title. That is the dumbest yeah. title of any episode we have ever reviewed. Of course, they're going for, like, a return of the living dead. So the, uh, this is called Attack of the Living instead of Dead because they're not dead. Brain puppets. But brain puppets? Is that really the best you could have come up with? I mean, uh... Uh, uh. Fuck, fuck, use the word marionette. That's a cool word. Yeah, just something, anything, but brain puppets. Oh, my God. Yo, Backstreet Bomb, good news. Lester Biggs is going to sign Marvin Roper, me, to an overall deal. Mansions, super stretch limos, I'm moving way up on you. Yeah, to a penthouse prison cell. <laughs> Peep out the funny pop star. After I'm done with you... You won't be laughing. Trust me. Is that right? See, I was just keeping you around so I could make sure my imitation that you look real. But now that I got my contract... All you're good for is nuts meat. And third up today is duped in this one hey mike it's rubber band man again yay uh so yeah evans is uh checking out some sound equipment at a guitar store i assume uh and some new metahuman named replica replicon right replicon or replicant or something like that yeah yeah okay uh anyway this shape-shifting guy comes in trying to steal a guitar and evans leaps into action and static arrives and it's revealed that this Replicon guy and Evans used to work at some store together several years back. Um, and the guy ends up getting away, even though Evans and Static try to stop him. Uh, but the next day, Virgil and Richie uh, arrive at school, and Frida and Daisy are updating the school's website with a bunch of Backstreet Boys fan gossip. Yeah. Um, anyway, later, Adam calls uh, the Hawkins house to speak to Sharon, but she isn't there, so... 
He asks Virgil instead to meet him at a recording studio downtown where one of the Backstreet Boys, uh, AJ, is there to meet with Adam. They're going to use uh, Adam's beat uh, as a sample on their new song or something to that effect, and he swears Virgil to secrecy about this so as not to draw the attention of thousands of screaming 15-year-old girls of Dakota. But um, the Replicon guy shows up downstairs at the, the recording studio wanting to speak to the CEO of this place, but the security guys kick him out immediately. So he walks off, and he finds a picture of the CEO in the lobby. He says his power is if anything he can look at, he can morph into. That's really what his power boils down to. So he sees the picture, morphs into the CEO guy, walks back, and uh, go, goes up the elevator and fires the two security guys just being a dick. And uh, he heads upstairs. So, uh, when he gets up there, he overhears Adam giving his uh, CD, uh, CD to the CEO guy and his uh, assistant or whatever, and he promises, you know, in secret to take out revenge on some people or whatnot. And, um, the next day, Richie ends up blabbing the secret of AJ, of the Backstreet Boys being in town, to, of all people, Frida and Daisy, and thus the recording studio is overrun by dozens of the aforementioned adolescent girls. So... Um, Adam and AJ uh, sneak out through a side door, but Frida and Daisy end up intercepting them. And Adam tries to slow the girls down, but he's end up he gets trampled by all of them. And Static Static ends up saving AJ and taking him back to his hotel. Well, unfortunately, after Static leaves, AJ is attacked by Replicon, and uh, Replicon disguises himself as AJ and goes back to the recording studio and gets Adam kicked off the project. Well, naturally, Adam is pissed at Virgil for blabbing the secret. Uh, and getting get outing AJ's you know, whereabouts and whatnot there. So the CEO guy uh, tells who he thinks is AJ, and you know it's obviously Replicon at this point. He tells him that uh, Replicon's the guy's name is Marvin. So he tells he tells him that Marvin's demo is garbage and he doesn't want it at all. So Replicon says, "Well, if Marvin doesn't get this gig, he, meaning AJ, is out." So. God, I hate I hate it when I have to summarize shape-shifting <laughs> guys. I hate it. <laughs> so anyway, the CEO guy uh, relents and gets the shitty beat onto the CD or whatnot. And uh, Later, Richie, Virgil, Frida, and Daisy are all watching TV, and they see uh, Replicon in the disguise of AJ uh, being interviewed by Shelly Sandoval, and Frida notices that the tattoos on AJ's arm uh, arms are transposed. The one, they're on the wrong arms, and Virgil immediately knows this has to be Replicon, so he goes back. He goes off to Adam's place, but he isn't there. So he calls Richie to get the address of this place that Replicon and Evans used to work at back in the day. And he gets there just in time to save uh, save AJ. He beats up Replicon uh, with AJ's help, and Evans gets his deal back. And the episode ends with some banter between the the girls and the guys. Mike, it's a rubber band man episode. It is. I'm done. <laughs> okay. Then allow me. Um, my question is, where the hell was Adam during the last half of this episode? He get, Static goes up to his uh, apartment or mm. loft or whatever, and he's gone, and they never come back to him. Where was he? Yeah, they never bother to explain that. That's pretty fucking big, because Adam, just his livelihood basically was just taken from him, and... He's not there during the whole investigation, meaning Static's investigation of, uh, you know, AJ's disappearance and whatnot, and the whole final showdown with Replicon. He didn't even show up there. 
Yeah. Which I, I didn't miss anything, did I? No, no, you didn't. And Rubber Band Man might currently be a superhero, but we've seen him react to a similar situation before. So we know that he should be getting very pissed off and revenge-driven against this guy. He should have been there, and they just completely forgot about him. They just wrote him out, is what they did. Yeah. And Um, though I may not be keen on the character and uh, his his episodes, but, you know, he should still at least be there. Yeah. Um, another, this is just an off-the-wall question. Why is Richie wearing his glasses while he sleeps? Was he? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I don't, notice that. I don't wear my glasses while I sleep. <laughs> I don't either, but, you know, I've fallen asleep with them on. Like, if I was reading a book, or, granted, I know there was no book in his bed, or if the TV was on, granted, I know the TV was off, but I, I, I could make an excuse for him possibly having fallen asleep in them. Because he might have been doing something. Who knows? But I think really my big problem, and this, again, this goes back to our recurring theme of what the hell does Static's powers affect? The dude, Replicon, turns into a wood mannequin and says, Electricity doesn't work on wood, Static. Okay, one, apparently it did several episodes ago on those crates in that warehouse. Mm-hmm. And two, um, most wood is combustible, Moron. <laughs> he- <laughs> electrocutes you he can set you on fire (laughs) and can't he just lift the guy into the air you know i mean if we see him lifting pieces of bread as he does in this episode remember he's making a sandwich yeah mayonnaise jars yeah yeah all the jars you could put you could pretend well i guess the lid wasn't on there but the metal lid or whatever but yeah i mean if he's if he can float bread then he can float some guy you know, which which brings me to the question of why can't Static make himself fly without his little disc? If he yeah, can levitate just... other things, why can't he just levitate himself? I don't know. You know, just 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 some thought there. But yeah, that that wood thing, I was like, really? That's what you're gonna go with? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually, I actually do have one question about this episode though. Mm-hmm. When Static reveals to AJ that Adam is Rubber Band Man. AJ's response is, oh, that explains the purple underwear. Oh, dear sweet Jesus. <laughs> really? I Wow, I completely missed that line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course I noticed it. I mean, come on, it's me, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, that seems to be your theme of late. <laughs> of late? Of my life? <laughs> um, seriously, the Backstreet Boys... And they bring in this AJ guy? Was Who was in the Backstreet Boys? Lance Bass and Justin Timberlake were the only ones I can remember. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why AJ of all them? I mean, like... Okay, this would have been 2002-ish. I mean, I guess they were big. It just seems like such a weird choice to me. I don't know. Yeah. Knowing what we know now about Justin Timberlake, about how, you know, how, he's really, really funny. Mm-hmm. I mean... He, They should have had him. Yeah, I mean, maybe at the time they didn't see him as... Well, you know what, maybe they went with AJ because they needed the tattoo thing to work. That's true. Now that I think about it. But yeah, Timberlake, maybe... Let's say the tattoo thing aside, maybe they thought he, at the time, didn't have the personality or whatever. But looking back, it's like, shit, that's the one they should have got. I mean, 
He's a pretty decent actor and a really good comedic actor. Um, mm-hmm. If you actually, what's that movie called? Alpha Dog. Uh, it's it's. What's the name of the kid who played Speed Racer? That guy. I I, I, know. I know his name, but I don't remember it off the top of my head. He's in it. Um, and uh, who's the other actor? There's another actor in there who I like. Oh wait a minute. I'm an idiot. Justin Timberlake was in NSYNC, not Backstreet Boys. Oh, okay. Well, then there we go. Then this whole conversation is moved. <laughs> Never mind. But anyways, you know, if they could have gotten in sync, <laughs> And Lance Bass was too. What the fuck? Who was in the Backstreet Boys? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I t- fuck. And the only reason I even brought up Lance Bass is because he's done voice work for video games oh. like Kingdom Hearts. Okay. Well, then they should have went with NSYNC, and they should have got Justin Timberlake, is the point. There because, you go. Again, he is, uh, I was bringing up Alpha Dog, because in there, it's a dramatic role. And it's, you know, he doesn't, it's, he's not great in there, but he's good. And again, he's a great comedic actor. He really is. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I've so, seen him on Saturday Night Live. You know this for a fact. Right, exactly. So they should have went with that, but they probably went with, as I said, AJ. Again, I know a different band, but probably went with him just because of the tattoo thing. It made it easier. Anyways, we're talking about fucking boy bands from the early 2000s. What the fuck? I think the only other thing I can muster up to say about this episode is the character design of Replicon was terrible. Absolutely terrible. This this guy, I don't even know, it's, it's just a terrible design to me. The guy's hair is just kind of often, his dreads are all kind of must- must up and in all different directions. And There's only like three or four that stick out. It's not like virgils that are that kind of hang and there's a bunch of them it's just like this guy has four four dreads and they just kind of stick out in all weird different directions it's weird ale looking like coolio is his hairstyle that's true hey jimmy it's me virgil jimmy wow some screensaver the battle journal all I wanted was to be left alone, and they, they wouldn't, wouldn't even do that. They had to hurt me, humiliate me. Well, it ends tonight. I'm putting a stop to them, once and for all. Oh, man. Maybe it's the clutch. You gotta come upstairs, right now. I'm afraid he's gonna hurt somebody. He'd never do that. He doesn't mean it. Your son's depressed, Mr. Osgood. I work with kids, and I can tell you, you can't dismiss this. He needs help. Pops, Jimmy told me he knew where he could get a gun. My gun's locked up. I have the key. Oh, my God. It's gone. The gun's gone. What were you thinking? Having a handgun in the house where a kid could get to it. But I didn't know Jimmy would even think of. Pops, those kids were hassling Jimmy. They might be down at the community center. I got to get down there. Call the police. Have them send the car down there now. Wait for me! No, you go home. Jimmy's dad and I'll handle this. I could see he wasn't in the mood for debate. Still, I had to do something. Next up is Jimmy. In this one, we actually get this episode in flashback. Uh, It starts out with uh, Richie being taken out of the community center, I believe it is, on a stretcher with uh, Mr. Hawkins following, Virgil's following too, uh, Richie's in great pain, and uh, he's being put into an ambulance. And uh, Virgil tries to get into the ambulance, but his dad tells him, no, stay behind. Uh, we jump ahead a little, and uh, 
Virgil is now in a uh, like a social worker's no uh, psychiatrist's office, whatever yeah, school school counselor. school counselor's office. That's it. Uh, talking to her about what happened because we still don't know what happened to Richie, and uh, uh, this is where it goes in the flashback mode. And Virgil is saying that uh, uh, you know he feels guilty about what happened because he should have he should have spoke up. He should have told an adult what was going on. And uh, what was going on is as follows. Uh, on, on this one particular day, Richie and Virgil, they're in homeroom together. And uh, next to them is this quiet young boy working on his laptop by the name of Jimmy. And uh, these these other guys, uh, this, this one punk comes in. What was the punk's name? I can't remember. Nick. Nick? Yes. Okay. Uh, the, the Nick comes in, and he sits opposite Jimmy, and he teases him throughout the entire homeroom. Um, he's constantly um, closing, you know, like pushing his laptop screen down, closing it, uh, just fucking with the guy's mouse, just doing everything he can to pick on him. And uh, somehow the teacher in the homeroom doesn't notice this, even though she's got eagle eyes for everything else. Um well, you can tell that this is getting under Jimmy's skin. Um, as the school day closes, um, Virgil and Richie, they're walking through the parking lot, and they see Jimmy being picked on again by Nick and his two little uh, cronies. Uh, this time they've got his laptop in his laptop bag, and they're playing keep away. Uh, they, they chuck it, uh, it lands on the ground, but uh, they still have his mouse. They throw that, that gets cracked. Um, Virgil and Richie, they pick it up and they hand it back to him and they say, sorry, man, you know, th th this is broken. We're, 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 we're sorry. That guy's a jerk. Ignore him. Um, later on, uh, Virgil and Richie, they head over to Jimmy's house and, uh, Virgil has, uh, a new mouse for him. It's his sister's mouse, mouse, which she never uses. Um, and, uh, so Jimmy's like, oh, thanks. Uh, and the boys kind of invite themselves in. And as they're heading upstairs to go hang out in Jimmy's room, Jimmy's mom comes by, and uh, she's like, oh, you got some friends over, that's great. And on her way out, she whispers to him, don't chase them away. And the boys, it's kind of implied they overhear this, but they ignore it. And, of course, Jimmy feels like a dick, because his mom basically just sort of picked on him, too. Um, and they go up to his room, and he's got this real cool room. It's just filled with, like, science fiction posters and memorabilia and stuff like this. And one of those things is a ray gun from uh, uh, basically a Star Wars, Star Trek-type series. And uh, as they're playing with this and looking at it, Jimmy says, Hey, I can show you a real gun. My, my dad's got one. I know where he keeps it. Virgil naturally loses his shit, and he's like, Dude, that's not cool. My mom was killed by gunfire. And he storms out. He's like, Richie, let's get out of here. And uh, Richie looks at Jimmy and he's like, dude, not cool. And uh, so they leave. And uh, uh, it, it turns out Virgil, you know, forgave Jimmy after he apologized. And they start becoming buddy-buddy. They're hanging out at the rec center. Uh, the boys are playing basketball uh, while Jimmy's sitting in the bleachers uh, with his laptop, of course. And uh, Virgil and Richie, they're like, come on, come on, play some ball. And he's like, I don't know, I don't know. But he, he tries, and he goes for this shot, totally misses. And uh, who sees this but Nick and his cronies? They make fun out of him, of course. And uh, does 
is does does Jimmy run away or is this where um oh, what's her name? I forgot her name. Frida. Frida. Is this where she comes in and asks them for their help? That's what yeah. happens here, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, she comes in. And she says, hey, we've got this, uh, basically Halloween's coming up and we've got, we've got to build a haunted house. I need some volunteers. And, uh, you know, Virgil and Richie, they're volunteered by Frida. And, uh, the boys then, then kind of volunteer Jimmy too. And, you know, you can tell he's got a slight little crush on Frida. So he's like, okay, I'll do it. And she then tries to get Nick and his cronies to also, um, take part in this. And they're like, fuck that noise. So they get the hell out of there. Well, uh, we kind of get a little montage scene where, you know, we see uh, Jimmy having a really good time helping put this haunted house together. He's a really, he's just really good at creating these creepy things. Um, and that's not said or portrayed in a disparaging way. It's just, it's, it's actually said in a very kind of endearing way. Like, hey, look, he's really good at something. So, you know, and it's also revealed that his crush on Frida is growing and growing and growing. At some point, though, um... Uh, she's doing something in this haunted house slash maze they're building and uh, the boys are looking for her and Jimmy's like, oh, I'll go get her. And he ends up overhearing Frida and Nick talking and Nick's trying to take her out and she's like, no, I don't want to go. We we all have plans after the haunted house thing is over. And he's like, oh, you're going to hang out with your boyfriend Jimmy. She's like, I don't feel that way about him. Jimmy hears this. He, He he gets upset. He try. He takes a step back, bumps into like a, a skeleton or something, knocks it over. Nick sees him and he's like, "You little jerk! You were eavesdropping on us." Uh, so he starts chasing him through the maze. Somehow the cronies got in there. They all start chasing him through the maze. Uh, he ends up just bursting through the walls, which are just pretty much made of cardboard, and uh, he gets trapped in the locker room at the rec center. And they they stuff him in a locker. Um, Virgil and Richie are able to get him out of the locker. Um, and he falls to the ground crying and he ends up running away, of course. Um, the night of the Fright Fest comes and goes, um, with no sign of Jimmy. So, uh, you know, after it's over and it comes time to tear it down, Jimmy shows up. But at the same time, why do, why does Virgil go over well, yeah, I mean, he, again, doesn't show up, so Virgil decides, you know, well, let's go to his house and see if he's there. And his dad's outside working on the car, and Virgil goes up to his room and oh, sees the message right. he typed on the laptop. Okay. So, yeah, you're right. Oh, I, I thought he went to the Fright Fest, whatever, And but you're right, that wouldn't make sense. You're right. So, yeah, they, they Virgil goes up to his room looking for him, and he sees his laptop where he's basically been typing a blog that says, you know, I'm tired of these guys picking on me and I'm going to end this once and for all. Uh, Virgil runs outside. He's like, you guys have to come up here and see this. Um, they all read the blog and uh, Jimmy's dad is like, no, 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 there's, there's nothing to worry about. And Virgil's like, yeah, but he knows where you keep your gun. And the dad's like, no, I keep it locked up. He pulls out his keys and I think we're supposed to assume the key's missing. Um, he goes in his drawer. The gun's not there. We then cut to the rec center where Jimmy does come in uh, the boys start picking on him again, and Jimmy's like, basically, I- I've had enough of this shit. He pulls out the gun, and he points it at Nick. Uh, Nick, of course, uh, backs off and uh, is-, is begging for his life. And uh, at some point, shit, 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 how does it, how does it happen? They-, they get him to lower Richie. the gun. R- Richie, that's right, yeah. Richie steps in the middle of it and says, dude, you do not want to ruin the rest of your life because of this jerk bag. 
You know, just put the gun down and everything will be cool. Uh, so Jimmy does start to lower the gun while the two cronies are like, get him! And uh, in the process of him struggling, uh, the gun goes off and Richie gets shot in his left leg. Um, Virgil, at this point, shows up as static. The reason he doesn't show up as himself is because uh, the two fathers, those being Jimmy's father and Mr. Hawkins, they left the pl- the, the Jimmy's house uh, to go to the rec center um, to, 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 to stop the boy. And, of course, Mr. Hawkins tells Virgil he's not going. He's not going to put his son in, potentially in front of a gun. Uh, so that's why he ends up showing up as static, but it's, it's too late. You know, we cut back to the counselor, and, you know, it's revealed uh, that, of course, uh, Richie is going to be okay, um, that uh, Jimmy is going to have to go through some serious counseling himself, uh, we find out that Nick was suspended for his actions, all the relentless uh, teasing that he brought upon Jimmy. Um, and the episode ends with, well, before it ends, um, the, the last real scene is uh, just Richie and Virgil just walking down the hall talking. Uh, and, of course, uh, Richie's leg is, is in a cast. And uh, they see, you know, they say, I wonder if anybody's learned their lesson from this. And they see another kid, this kind of, kind of a big fat guy, getting picked on. Uh, he he gets, his, gets his books knocked down. And uh, the guy's glaring at the, at the jerks who did this to him. And Virgil walks over. He's like, hey, let me help you with those, man. And the guy's expression softens. So this, this act of kindness, you know, maybe it will prevent something like the Jimmy incident from happening again. Uh, that's where the episode officially ends, but then there's this brief little public service announcement, basically, with Virgil, or excuse me, Static, uh, just explaining that, you know what, a lot of kids die from gunfire all the time, and if you know um, anybody that has access to a gun or weapons or whatever and may harm someone, or if you see someone getting picked on relentlessly, it sucks to be a tattletale, but you have to be a tattletale for everybody's safety. So there we go. Mike, considering the incredibly serious nature of this episode, I have a serious question for you. Mm-hmm. In the basest terms possible, what do you feel was this episode's message? I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm asking this as a serious question. Okay, I feel that it's message, that there were a couple of messages here. And they were pretty much summed up at. The, the end there, that gun violence is a serious problem that the world has to deal with. Uh, that, you know what, tattling sucks, but you have to do it, you sometimes just have to do it for someone's own good. That teasing someone, you know, a light little jab at someone, like the shit you and I do to Ian, that's okay. You know, that that's, well, I, I hope that's okay. I, I hope or that we... Or that we do to you. Or that you guys do to me. You know, you, you know that's in good fun. But that relentless teasing that almost borders on torturing, if I dare say, that is that needs to be addressed. And if you see something like that going on, we just have to deal with that. And I also think it was an episode about just showing compassion to people who are a little different. This Jimmy character, he is he's definitely different than everybody else. And the the fat guy at the end, you know, okay, we don't know his lifestyle, but he's fat, so you know, we'll say he's a little different there too. And just showing compassion to your fellow man 
and just accepting them for who they are to make sure that we can bring about peace in little ways, to, to make sure that these gross displays of violence just don't happen. Um, those are the messages I was picking up for from it. So why do you ask the question, though? I ask because I think this episode's tone is actually less an episode about guns and more about stopping bullying because mm-hmm. really that's most of what happened in the episode was showing the psychological effects of constant never ending bullying. Mm-hmm. And I think if the point of this episode was any kind of gun message, then in some ways I think it failed Okay, because if, I think if this episode had been done to get the message of stop bullying people across, then I think it would have been a much, just much more clear for me anyway. Um, but, you know, seeing as how static, you know, broke the fourth wall at the end there with the, the public service announcement and the stay away from guns message, you know, they, they, I think they strayed away from the, the bullying message because, I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember, you know, everything he said in the PSA at the end there, because I really don't remember him specifically saying anything about, you know, the bullying. I mean, I, 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 I this is a fail on my part because I should have, I should have just listened to it again to make sure about this. But my point is, it's. I think it's, you know, it's a damn shame because it takes away from the torment and the pain that Jimmy had to go through by really in a little way, just a little way, making him seem kind of like a villain. Oh, okay. And I, I, I feel like that ending, coupled with the middle of the episode where Jimmy was just like, hey, I can show you a real gun, made him look really, really bad. Okay. And that pisses me off so fucking much. Because I've said on this podcast before that, you know, I was bullied a lot in middle school. Mm-hmm. And I, and really, every day, just like this poor kid, I feel exactly... I know exactly what this kid is going through and to see him come across in any kind of negative light here while these fuckhead bullies get off with a slap on the wrist. That's all they fucking got was a slap on the wrist. It's really angering to me on a personal level. Um, and I mean, but at the same time we do have to acknowledge that, you know, brandishing a gun at someone else, you know, I agree. I mean, that we understand why he did it, but we can't, we also can't let him off for doing it. Right, I, I I agree, but when I'm and I'm well, that's what I was saying. I think that the the bullies mm-hmm. are the ones they should be getting more punished than they are okay. because this I see this happen all the time. It's yeah. I'm gonna go off on a tangent here slightly, oh, but oh. you know it's like I think this this is why I think the episode did accomplish. Uh, it showed that the the douchebag Nick and his buddies got off easy, and you know I've I've been a substitute teacher for seven years now, and I see this kind of bullshit happen all the time where. You know, some kid will pick on another kid, and these spineless ass administrators do nothing because they're afraid of the parents who come in and say, "Oh, my kid would never do that," and all that garbage. So it's like, fuck. I was I was bullied every day in middle school, and the, the fuckheads that put me through hell never got punished for anything. So, you know, that's that's really I think that's what this this episode. I give credit for this episode because it showed in a. Maybe it, I don't know if they were actually intending to show this, but they really did show a reality in public schools right now where ki- you know, bullies are not being punished enough. Mm-hmm. What it boils all down to is that I think if you really think about this episode as a whole, the gun thing was – it was really an afterthought because – and I say this because 
only two times were guns even mentioned before the PSA. Right. So, I mean, it's just... It, it, the gun thing just seemed kind of like a bow wrapping up the episode, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying there? I, I do. I wonder if there was a greater focus on the gun aspect at the end because Static was marketed towards an urban audience. You know, statistics show that it's a sad fact that there's more gun violence in, you know, minority neighborhoods than there are in, you know, white neighborhoods. That's not to say there isn't gun violence in white neighborhoods, quite the contrary. Um, But statistics do show that. So I'm wondering if that's why they kind of hammered that home in the PSA at the end. Because now we have a young black superhero, as you said, breaking the fourth wall, addressing the viewer that this really was aimed at, kids in general, but yeah, young black children, saying, look, we shouldn't glorify guns, we should, in fact, be very afraid of them. I mean, there's that line when Richie gets shot, he's like, oh my god, this isn't like the movies. Okay, it was a little heavy-handed, but I'm glad they put it in there at the same time. You know, you see people get shot in the movies, you know, sometimes the hero gets shot in the shoulder and he keeps on going. Well, fuck that. No, you're going to drop, motherfucker, you know? Um, So, uh, I I think that, you know, that line and who this show is really aimed at, I think, you know, when you look at those two together, it makes sense why they were hammering home the gun business. Yeah, and I don't want it to seem like I dislike this episode no. because I really I do like this episode. Yeah. I just think that you know, considering the fact that they wrapped up the the episode in, in the bow that was that PSA, mm-hmm. then their main focal point was gun violence. When the whole episode, eighty five percent of the episode was bullying, right. and I that's what I wish they had made this. I wish they had just cut the gun thing out entirely and just made this a a thing about bullying. And if you want to do a PSA at the end, great. Do a PSA on, you know, telling, you know, be a tattletale if you have to, you know, mm-hmm. and keep that, you know, do that. And, you know, tell your teachers, tell an adult, if you see somebody being tormented or, or tortured, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, and I think that's a great word to use because it is torture. Yeah. Now, but, when you say cut out the gun thing, do you mean just the PSA or Richie getting shot? Um, well, I think either you can do it one of two ways. You can just cut it out altogether, mm-hmm. or you can cut out the PSA at the end. Because I, I really, I think, I really think you needed the power of Richie getting shot, so you really can't drop the gun thing. I, 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 I know where you're coming from. I don't entirely disagree, but you still needed that there. So, you, in my opinion, you just can't lose that gun element. Yeah, I see where you're coming from too. So, because I mean, yeah. if he brings a knife. It's so much less powerful than yeah. than just the, even just the imagery of the gun. So, mm-hmm. um, do you mind if I hey. jump in here real quick with something? Oh, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. My major beef with this one is one of the things they're saying, I said it and you said it, is that they flat out say, look, it sucks to be a snitch, but sometimes you have to do it. Sometimes you have to find that parent or adult you trust 100% and just tell them what's going on. They hammer this home, but then they undercut it by having Virgil lie to the counselor. 
She says, oh, so you weren't there. And he's like, no, I came after the ambulance was there. He was there as static. Yep. He should have said to her, okay, look, I'm going to tell you this. I'm, please don't tell anybody else, but I am static. And this is why I'm feeling extra guilty because Richie's my best friend. He's my sidekick. He's my partner. And I couldn't save him. Of all the people in the world I've saved, I couldn't stop my best friend from being shot. And I'm a freaking superhero. He should have been 100% honest with her when the message is about being <laughs> finding an adult and being honest with them. Exactly. When it's a hard thing to do. And they completely, not completely, but part of that message I do think is is ruined by having him outright lie to her about where he was and who he is and why he's feeling this way. It's not just, oh, I should have been able to do something because I knew about the gun. It's because you knew about the gun and because you have these superpowers. That that really bothered me. And again, like you said, I don't want it to come across, across like, I, like I hate this episode. You know, I, I, I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to give this episode a 10. I'm not, and I can't because of what I just said, and because of the points you've brought up. It's 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 flawed, powerful as as anything else it's produced so far. Absolutely, I mean, I will, no, I will not take anything away from how powerful. It right, is. I will give them so much credit for allowing Richie to get shot. I mean, you just do not get away with that. Even when you are trying to drive home a message, no matter what that message is, you have to push and push and push for a network to allow that to happen in a cartoon, on a children's show. Blood or not, because there's no blood. Blood or not, you still have to push for that. Oh, there wasn't even a, a hole in his pants. No, there was There was nothing. You know, you know so I give them so much credit for getting this out there, getting it out... In, 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 in such a powerful way, but it's still flawed. It's 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 got some big flaws in it. Uh, getting away from you know the ultra serious stuff mm -hmm. and back into our normal kind of uh, banter reviewing that the that slow motion animation when Richie gets shot is the worst slow motion I have ever seen. Ever. There was something going on with that, wasn't there? I mean, it was. I, I don't even know how to describe it, except that it was like a frame. And then a frame, and then a frame, and it's, it was just horrible, horrible animation. And if you actually look at it, it's a bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It looks like it's zoomed in, yeah. because his the lines on him are a little thicker. I almost think it might have been, like there might have been an edit at the last minute, and they had to rush something, and even still it wasn't perfect, so they just zoomed in on him falling, and all they could use were these weird little frames, and they made it look like a slow motion falling, because it's very awkward, it's very, mm, I don't want to say ugly looking, because it's not ugly looking, but it's not up to, up to snuff. I think I've exhausted my notes, really. I honestly didn't write down a single note about this one. None. Um... I, well, I get, yeah, it is kind of like uh, the racism episode. Okay, let's let's just ask. So far, out of the um, social commentary episodes they've had, uh, uh, I don't remember the titles, but what have they been so far? This one, obviously, Son, Sons of the Fathers, Sons of the Fathers, and well, the drug one, Power Power Play. Okay, I think was of those three, uh, which one uh, has been the best? Which one has been the most powerful? Which one, whatever. Best Sons of the Fathers, most powerful. This one, the and the mediocre one would be the drug, 
not drug episode. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I think if, you know, for me, they would have dealt with the lying thing better. This would have been best and most powerful. Um, and I assume for you, if they would have dealt with the gun thing better, would that be the same way, best and most powerful for this one? Or would uh, Sons of the Fathers uh, still be best? Uh, it would be really close. Okay. I I probably I would probably lean towards this one just because it was so powerful. Okay. Um, but like, yeah, like you said, I th- I think they did not handle the gun thing nearly as well as they could or should have. Yeah, and you know what? I mean, I, I've I've said stuff like I'm about to say before, but I have to say it again. This is why you see James and I get so mad at episodes like what was the one we just did the the Attack of the Living Brain Puppets, you know. When you see them produce something like this, and we know, we know not everything can be social commentary, because if you do that, it's going to lose its impact, and everybody's just going to roll their eyes, and they're not going to want to watch a show where they're just going to get preached to for 22 minutes. We understand that. But when you can have this consistent level of quality, just quality, for those 20, 21, 22 minutes, it, it, it makes those bad episodes seem even worse because you know they're better than that. You know they're head and shoulders better than that. So that always gets under my skin. When, when we get an episode this good and we get an episode that bad in, 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 in terms of the brain puppets. Especially that close to each other. Exactly. I, and I, what was it um, after Sons of the Fathers? Whatever that episode was that was after Sons of the Fathers was terrible. Uh, Winds of Change with Fat Albert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what the fuck? Why would you do that? I told you to get away! I think you have me confused with someone else. <gasps> Batman! Uh, good looking out! I'll take it from here. Can't let you do that. Really? Uh, I mean, why not? I know why this girl is in Gotham and who she's here to meet. Right, sure. And that would be... That would be me. And lastly up today is Hard as Nails. In this one, the show opens up in Gotham City, uh, where Batman has tied up some muggers and Bullock and Gordon are on the scene uh, apprehending them and uh, t- taking them down from... A lamppost. Um, in the crowd that has gathered to watch this, a strange girl wearing a red hood uh, runs away from the crowd, and we go. We pan to a rooftop, and we see the familiar red sky and lightning, but we see static instead of Batman. Um, and he starts yelling out the girl's name as she runs through an alley, and oddly enough, her name happens to be Alley. So, haha, there. Um, he tells her to come back to Dakota and stop running because it, it won't. Nothing will get better if you run away from whatever she's running away from. We don't know at this point what she's running away from. But uh, she flings these razor-sharp nails at him, and we we understand she's a metahuman, and she has like super some increased strength and uh, like a metal skin, I think, uh, something like that. And she eventually evades him by electrocuting static. Yeah, thank you for taking away one of the notes I had. <laughs> uh, it's in the summary. Had to say it. <laughs> anyway, um, at this point we go into flashback mode um, from Static's viewpoint, and he's 
we see he's in a uh, basketball in the schoolyard one day when Allie walked by and almost had the backboard of the of one of the, one of the backboards fall on top of her when uh, somebody slam dunked the ball. But as it falls on her, she she completely destroys it. Um, and Virgil at this point ponders that you know she's she might be a metahuman since this w- ridiculous exploit just happened. So uh, later we go back inside the school and we see that every school in the locker except for one is completely trashed and sliced open um, and it's clear that the culprit uh, was trying to steal money from these lockers and Allie's locker is of course the only one that isn't trashed and Casey comes up and tells the guys that uh, Allie ran away from home so Virgil who noticed earlier in the at the basketball court that Allie was carrying maps of Gotham City uh, wonders if maybe she has some family there. So Virgil and Richie go to the computer lab, and they find that she has been on the computers there a lot, looking up more maps of Gotham. And they also see that in her, in her uh, email inbox, uh, she's received like several correspondences from two residents, one named Ceres and one named Thalia. And apparently these two as-of-yet unidentified people run a website called Bang Baby Outreach, which helps bang babies cope with their powers or something like that. And so we go back to uh, present Gotham, and Static continues chasing Allie down, and she climbs up a rooftop only to be ensnared by Batman. So Static arrives on the rooftop, and Batman says he knows who she's here to meet, that being Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. So Ivy traps Static and Batman in the, this these like wood prison things, and uh, Harley arrives in a blimp to usher them away, and at this point, Batman manages to get out of Ivy's trap, and he has to save Static, who at this point has been suffocated to the point of fainting. Um, he summons the Batwing, and they head back to the cave. And uh, In the meantime, Ivy and Harley tell Allie that they have a cure for the Bang Baby Syndrome, but she'll have to earn it first. So we go back to the Batcave, and Static wakes up and finds Alfred pulling splinters out of his arm. And they banter back and forth for a minute, and Static goes over and talks to Batman, who knows his name thanks to his school ID falling out of his pocket. Um, he also asks where Robin is, to which Batman says, the Titans. Suck it! <laughs> <laughs> Batman tells Virgil that uh, uh, what he knows, and Virgil says that Allie's just confused and scared and she needs help. And Batman says, alright, we'll play it your way for now, but if she gets out of line again, she's going down with Harley and Ivy. So... Ivy and Harley, at this point, attack a freighter ship full of gold, and Allie is forced to help them steal it. Um, And Gordon turns on the bat signal, and Batman and Static fly off, um, and they find out about the freighter attack from Gordon, so they go off to to sea to stop the trio. And Allie, before they get there, Allie is betrayed by uh, Ivy and Harley. They knock her overboard into the ocean, where she seems to sink. Um... Batman Static arrive, finally. They start dueling it out with uh, uh, with Harley and Ivy. And, um, Allie ends up coming back and takes down the blimp with her you know, razor nails and uh, as as they're trying to escape. so But as when uh, Batman is, has apprehended them down on the ship, she attempts to kill them. But Static stops her and convinces her to not ruin her life by becoming a murderer. And uh, so she relents and Static disappears and we go back to Dakota, where we find out that Bruce Wayne has funded a treatment for Allie and actually seems to be working very well. Uh, she can control her power now instead of it just, you know, you know, springing up on her at the worst times. So 
Bruce walks into the room and shakes hands with Virgil for the first time out of costume, and they uh, they leave. And Bruce more or less says that Virgil has earned his trust, and that's it. Well, you have to point out what he meant by "you've earned my trust." Oh yeah, uh, really. Uh, during during uh, what, I can't remember what exact part it was, but um, when Batman and Static are, I think it was on the rooftop. Uh, Static says, "Geez, nice to be trusted." Mm-hmm. Or he's, he has some kind of backhanded line about about how he's not how Batman doesn't trust him, mm-hmm. and so uh, it's it's there where Bat you know he's earned Batman's trust, and it's a, you know it's a big moment really. Well, no, beyond that, what I mean is uh, when they're at the facility, Virgil sees Alfred again. Remember, he sees him because Alfred's oh, Batman's right. chauffeur, Bruce's chauffeur, and he's like, Master Wayne, the car awaits or something. And because uh, he's Bruce says, you know, he's like, Virgil's like, why did you help her? And he's like, oh, I, I she, she earned my trust or something like that. That's when Alfred says the thing about the car awaiting. Virgil recognizes him, and that's when he looks at Virgil and he's like, she's not the only one. And it ends in this, like, holy shit, he just told Static who he is moment. Oh, my God, yeah. you're right. Yeah. I, I didn't even put that together because for some reason I was thinking that he already knew that he was Bruce when he clearly didn't. Yeah, no. I <laughs> wow, mean, I can't believe I didn't pick up on that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was a really cool moment. It really was because um, it shows you wow. that, you know, Bruce has only teamed with Static twice. But both times Static has helped him out, and he's shown his medal as a hero. And, uh, yeah, you know, maybe he, uh, sees something in the kid. Um, yeah. it could, well, I mean, he, and he says, you know, well, where's Robin? He's with the Titans. Oh, you'll, you'll meet them some, you'll be with them someday. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Furthering it along. Yeah. Um, now I'm trying to think, uh, this is getting into some wonky continuity stuff. When, okay. What episode is it where Bruce goes into the future with Green Lantern? And sees that alternate future with Static and Warhawk. The once, the once in future thing. Yeah, I'm wondering if what is it? Is it Justice League or Justice League Unlimited? That's JLU. Oh, okay. Timeline wise, it probably doesn't play out. I was wondering if in some way Bruce had already been to the future and saw the future Static as like a really good hero. So now that he's teaming up with him again as a kid, he knows the heroes he's going to become. Hence the reason he's going to trust him. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't think it's too outlandish. I mean, it, no. it's time travel, no. so you never know when it could all take place. But I just, I, exactly. I just don't see this episode of Static taking place after that episode of Justice League. It just, in my mind, it just doesn't all fit. So I, I'd, I'd rather go along with the belief that just meeting him twice, he already knows that this kid has a great future ahead of him as a hero, and he's worthy of knowing the secret. So, yeah. Well, I mean. And it should be noted, this is the opening of the season opener of season three. We've got new character designs, new opening, new opening theme. Mm-hmm. It's really, the whole show has been revamped. Yeah, whole new costume for Static. I mean, his black shirt instead of white shirt. It actually feels more like a costume now, too. Yeah, it does. Before, it just kind of felt like t-shirt and jeans, you know? And it's still the it's same thing. Right, yeah. it's, it still is just t-shirt and jeans, but it feels much more, much more costumey. Um, it's much more stealthy for his fighting at night with the dark blue coat and now the, the black garb. I mean, even the goggles have changed to blue instead of the yellow they used to be. Um, yeah, I, I really dig. I don't like the opening 
music. I can't stand that. But I, I do like the, the new costume and the cleaned up animation. In fact, when you know we first see Daisy, I'm like, is that Daisy? And then you're like, oh, hey, Daisy. I'm like, oh, I, I like the tweak design on her, too. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're all a year older, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you also have to think, in the previous episode, in Jimmy... They Virgil's probably pushing 16 at that point because if you remember, there was the Christmas episode with the snow girl mm-hmm. and then a few episodes later we're getting a Halloween episode so unless those are airing out of order which I don't think, you know, timeline wise it would, you know, you're assuming what happens here happens here and then the next episode happens after that, you know, so between after that, from the time that Christmas episode aired to the Halloween episode, it's almost a full more uh, another full year and now there's more time that's passed. You know, we're watching this, we're definitely watching this character age and grow. And I like that. <laughs> if, if, if you'll allow me, please. Don't I always? Please. Yes, 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 you do. Um, I love Harvey Bullock. I love him. <laughs> what, the did, what the heck did Robin do to his hair? And just Gordon's expression, just like, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> you're such an idiot. <laughs> Ah, uh, Bullock, you'll bury us all. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? Uh, I, I was going to say, um, this episode actually did manage to get a message across here, that being never meet up with people you don't know over the internet. Yes, they, they, they do say that. Yeah, don't they? Mm-hmm. Mm, it, was, it, was, it was kind of a, it was almost a throwaway line, mm-hmm. but not really. And, mm-hmm. You know, that's great. Yeah. You know, they, they did it with one line. Awesome. Yeah, I, I like that because if they didn't throw that line in there, kids still might think it's okay because, hey, they might get to go on some cool adventure. Like, just in the back of their head, a young kid might think that. You know what I'm saying? A teenager, I hope, wouldn't think that. But a younger God. kid definitely might. And mm-hmm. uh, just throwing that line in there, it's one of those lines where they may not hear it, they may not fully understand it, but it's still going to get stuck in their brain somewhere, and you hope. You hope that it means something to them at some point in their lives. You know, mm-hmm. that, that, I don't know, at some point they realize, whatever, it's not cool. So, I don't know. Yeah. Um, there's something else. I don't maybe you picked up on this. It was at the end there. Um, I like this kind of subtle line that Bruce says when he enters the uh, the treatment room. And he, he, you know, he walks up to Virgil and he says, nice to know you, Virgil. He doesn't say nice to meet you. He says, nice to know you. I thought that was kind of a cool little line there. Oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. And speaking of lines, uh, God, I love Alfred. (laughs) Who are you, Batman? I don't think so. Just once I'd like someone to believe that. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Very nice callback to old wounds. Yeah, yeah, I love love Alfred. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. He single-handedly has saved episodes from, like, ones and twos on our grading scale. Yeah, he has, hasn't he? Um, Not saying that this episode would come come anywhere close to that, but just saying. Right, yeah. Um, I I also appreciated the fact that Batman, Bruce even, were, uh, was back on model. Because remember last time we saw them, we had some serious problems with the way Batman was drawn. And here, this really did feel like a true blending of the Gotham Knights era Batman, the Justice League Batman with Static Shock. It didn't feel like two conflicting shows butting heads and neither felt right in the other in the other's universe. It really felt like Static has fully finally been integrated into the DCU or DCAU. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I got to say, you know, if it weren't for 
him getting electrocuted. <laughs> I would be very, very tempted to give this a 10, because I can't really think of anything overly wrong with this episode besides that. Uh, what was what exactly was Harley and Ivy's reason for contacting the kids over the internet? Just to get new gang members? I mean... <laughs> Just to steal a bunch of gold? You no, know, I mean, I know that was their end goal, was to get the gold, but why set up this whole thing to get bang babies to come to Gotham when they could easily hire local goons. I, I didn't understand the whole point of that. Mm, it, that is a good point. It seemed like a false excuse to get, what was her name? Nails, right? Yeah. yeah. To Gotham city. I just, yeah. That, it, it, yeah. Mm, Damn. Yeah. Damn it. But okay, okay. But here, I'll, 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 I'll say something positive about Harley and Ivy. They were just on. They were absolutely on. Oh yeah. Um, it, same old Harley and Ivy, you know, doing their thing. Uh, and of course, this episode is written by Paul Dini, so of course, you know, Harley gets some good lines. Yep. Well, and she flat out says that you know, she's. Bad jokes are her shtick. Yeah. That was a, a verbatim line she says. Yeah. And then the rest of the episode, she just kick, like makes horrible jokes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, she 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 was really good in this one. Um, so yeah, I just I just it's just their their scheme. I, I, getting the gold, I get. Getting to the gold, I don't get. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to say about this one. This is a really good episode. It seems like there should be more. Oh, they were still using the crappy reprised BTAS theme. Did you catch it this time? Yeah, yeah I definitely caught I mean, it this that's time. that's ass. That's terrible. It goes along with the crappy music that they use in the show. And i got to address that. I think it was said at the forums. I think it was at the forums. Someone, maybe, maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but I think someone suggested that, or maybe took it the wrong way and thought that, I'm not a fan of, of rap and hip-hop and all that. And that's not true. I mean, it is true that I don't listen to, like, modern rap and, and, and hip-hop. But I don't hate the stuff. I hate the music in Static Shock is what it is. <laughs> it could be, like, metal. It could be rock and roll. It could be whatever. <laughs> and, Emo, country, yeah, yeah. who the fuck cares? It has nothing to do with the fact that, it, that it's rap, hip-hop, whatever you want to call it. It's just that it's bad. Uh, should we get to our scores? I believe we shall. Okay, uh, bad stretch. Uh, I'll give that a six. I did not write down a score. I think I'm going to give it a five, though. Uh, <laughs> Attack of the Brain Puppets. Um, yeah, this one was a- a- actually dumber than Static Shack. I'm giving it a one. Um, I'll, I wrote down a two. I'll, I'm too lazy to scratch that out and write something else down. Uh, duped. I don't even know why I'm giving it this, but I'm giving it a four. Uh, this one from me also gets a two. Uh, Jimmy. Yeah, this one, I'm really, really, really torn on this one. Um, I'm going to give it a seven. I'm probably going to come back to it in some regard, though. Um, it's going to get a nine from me. And uh, it felt like I was going to say something else, didn't it? <laughs> it did. But it no, did. I was like, oh, I was like, okay, he's going to lay the hammer down on me for giving it a seven. No, no, not at all. I, I fully understand where you're coming from. I absolutely do. Um, so if, if 
I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to lay any hammers down at all. Uh, all right. Nice transition, though. Hard as nails, huh? Huh? Get it? Hammers, yeah. nails. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Harley. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm giving this an eight. Okay. And I did lower it a point. Okay, so. that's uh, going to get a seven from me. can control the chains at will now it's wonderful honey dr chen says my treatment's going so well i may lose the metallic affliction completely you could give a lot of hope to the bang babies Allie. yeah i was lucky to be selected for this program it's being paid for by a big company in gotham wayne industries how's our patient better every day mr wayne this is a friend of mine from school virgil hawkins good to know you virgil same here it's nice of you to pick up the tab for all this. I heard she had a rough time dealing with her condition, but I'd say she's earned some trust. Sir, I brought the car around. Whenever you're ready. Hey. And she's not the only one. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss five more episodes of Static Shock. Those being Gear, Static in Africa, Shebang, The Usual Suspect, and A League of Their Own. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. That didn't sound too bad, did it? I mean... Not really. No, it sounded fine to me. Okay, because it's, it's just... I feel weird about it. You know what I mean? It's like... I mean, seriously, all this is for bettering the, the world's finest and the other podcasts on Earth, too, you know? Yeah, you said that, so it's fine. Okay. <laughs> I'm just always afraid people are going to be like, he's just going to buy hookers and Coke with it. And I'm like, no. <laughs> never had Coke. Yeah. <laughs>